0: This is Rachel McElroy. Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful.
1: Oh my goodness, everybody. Oh my freaking gosh.
0: Hello. Hello. Did you see how
1: many donors we did? How many big ones we got for Max Fun Drive? It seems like a lot. It was so many freaking people. I was blown away. Mm-hmm. I rocked my socks off, man.
0: Can I provide an update? Uh huh. Sitting in my new chair,
1: Rachel sitting in her new chair. This is not a thing that money has bought. Well, money did buy it, but it was brother money. <laughs> it was not Max Fun drive money.
0: Well, I would like to think that Justin McElroy wouldn't have been as inspired without the Max Fun drive Yeah.
1: Now, don't be ashamed to say it on the air, just in case Justin does listen. That it's a piece of shit chair, and it doesn't feel as good as my fifteen dollars Target chair that I bought you. Because, and let me finish. Mine had more love in it in behind the act of buying it and don't make a face i wasn't doing bad things to the chair (laughs)
0: um unless it's opposite day is it opposite day
1: no it is april fool's day so it could be like i'm doing a prank on you but it's not because i love that chair The chair
0: is very comfortable that i'm sitting in right now
1: and which one just so i'm clear which one are you sitting in
0: uh the one your brother bought me ah shoot i'm sorry but the one I
1: got you is still very, very good, though, right? Maybe you'll switch them in and out as like you're gonna s- see what your tush feels like and then swap them as needed.
0: I mean, maybe I'll get a hanker in, who knows?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, just think about I guess the love that went into it. and um
0: mm-hmm.
1: my my small wonder is uh, just keeping old friends, I guess
0: <laughs> okay.
1: It's keeping old friends near and dear and I mean, you've still to your- got
0: that brother printer.
1: That's true, but I bought that with my own dang money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um,
0: and I've got brother chair.
1: You have brother chair, I guess that's true. But like brother. my love chair is sitting in the corner right now. It's like we've left a chair for Elijah open for our podcast <laughs> in case he wants to jump on the mic. Yeah. And make some good observational jokes. Yeah. Um, my real small wonder is uh, jeans that make your butt look good. And I mean that wow. I guess in the you sense and the me sense. Jeans that make your butt look good is very good, but jeans that make my butt look good, I feel very good about. And I just put on some uh, some new jeans. Uh, I tried on all my jeans from, from oh. uh, Stitch Fix and honestly throughout history because I need to get rid of some jeans. And a lot of them are ill-fitting, but this one
0: tried on. I was like, what's up, Caboose? <laughs> I find pocket placement is really critical to that.
1: Absolutely it is. I have
0: tried on several pairs of jeans where the pockets are are put in a very unfortunate place and it is not flattering.
1: They can be too low and then they can be way too high and give you that long wide, Or too wide. And then it's like, how do they even walk with a butthole like that? (laughs) Just a butthole you could throw a dime up, you know?
0: That is... uh... The picture you have painted. Evocative.
1: What's your small wonder? Do you have any? Okay.
0: So I have a perfect small wonder, and this is actually brought to you by Linda. Um, My mom emailed this to me. What's up, Linda? Uh, Have you heard about the baseball player who plays Baby Shark as their walkout song?
1: That's extremely powerful.
0: (laughs) Elvis Andrus of the Texas Rangers. That
1: name again one more time?
0: Elvis Andrus. I'm loving
1: every freaking part of this story.
0: Uh, On the uh, opening day... He played his new walk-up song, which is Baby Shark, and he had three hits, including a two-run home run.
1: Wow, that's like the best thing you can do.
0: He told fans that he will not be getting rid of Baby Shark anytime soon. It is his toddler son, Elvis Jr.'s favorite song. I love that. His son is 20 months old. And he said, if you don't like it, you better get used to it. It's not going away.
1: I wonder how many baseball players could claim like, no, no, no. My son's favorite song was Ba with Da ba. And so that's why I had that <laughs> as mine for so very long. There's got to be somebody still using Ba with deba," right? If you're an MLB player and you listen to our podcast, change your stuff to Ba with Daba. It's just fun to say, isn't it?
0: I mean, yeah, I guess so. Is tub thumping, but I don't know that I necessarily want to hear that either.
1: Ba with deba, Da De Bang Bang, Diggy Diggy, Diggy said the boogie said, I'm dropped. They That's taken from something, yes. right? That's taken from Sugar Hill Gang, is it? Because the Sugar Hill Gang didn't call their song Ba with Daba because it's not a word.
0: I'll stick with Baby Shark. All right. I think in this case. What's your first thing this week? Uh, my first thing is Nilifer Yanya.
1: You sent me some, and what's that name? Because I definitely thought I was going to say it wrong, and your mm. take on it was different than N- mine.
0: Nilifer Yanya. Okay. I watched an interview with her so I could
1: pronounce really it correctly. split the uprights. Yeah.
0: Uh, she is 23. Her debut album, Miss Universe, just came out on March 22nd.
1: You know, it's wild. I got an advertisement for it just after you sent me the music video. Never mind. That's how computers work. It's 2019.
0: <laughs> um, so she I was really excited when I heard her music because it reminded me a lot of The Strokes. And hey, turns out she grew up big fan of The Strokes.
1: I I couldn't really place what it was. I was getting Mm. more like, I just like that fuzzy ass guitar sound sound, and this song has it in spades.
0: Her interest uh, growing up was very much in indie music like The Strokes and The Libertines and The Cure. Uh, She grew up in West London and was going to pursue a degree. She was rejected though twice from this popular music program in London. Uh, and so she was uh, really kind of self-taught, and she also was taught uh, at her high school, which was since the arts program has been scrapped entirely from that. Oh, that's a bummer. That school, but they had like real musicians teaching. Yeah. The students. Uh, so she started performing at eighteen. Uh, has since opened for artists like Mitski. Oh wow! Okay. And Broken Social Scene.
1: Oh shit! Cool. They've got a new mm-hmm. EP out, I believe.
0: Just to kind of give you a sense of why I thought she reminded me of the strokes I wanted you to play a little bit from In Your Head. So in addition to the strokes, she also identified Nina Simone, Amy Winehouse, and the Pixies. Uh, She's got kind of a a, like a lo-fi sound that kind of goes between like indie rock and R&B and soul music.
1: She's also got that like low voice, Uh that like smoky voice.
0: Yeah. And then there's even like kind of jazz elements in it, too. Um, It's
1: funny. Yeah. Nina Simone is like a funny uh comparison, but I completely. How have we not talked about Nina Simone on this? How have we not brought Nina at all? Yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I was just, I was really excited. It was what I've started doing to kind of find new artists is I'll just go on YouTube and find like the new music hmm. uh, from the past month. And that's how I found her. She was actually at South by Southwest in 2018. Oh, wow. Um, but we, we missed her, obviously. Yeah. Her music is really cool and exciting. I'm really excited uh, that she's got an album out, and I'm, she's so young. She's like 23. Like, these, who, knows, who knows where this woman's gonna go?
1: These young indie rock ladies are scratching all these like indie rock music itches that like I, I did not know I had until I. I kind of thought it. this
0: music, like this sound, was over. You know, I had yeah. this like fear that this like kind of real indie rock sound was kind of gone.
1: That real shit.
0: Yeah. That
1: uncut. That not that corporate shit. That real shit. Yeah. Like back in the day, like we used to listen to. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sonic Youth is a band I've not heard that much of, but I've established my bona fides, I feel like. And so now you're. Just by
0: saying those two words together. Hey, everybody.
1: Fugazi. Heard of them? I've not listened to very much, but just by saying that. Um, Can I tell you about my first thing? Yes. Snake. And that's not me. In a cute way saying that I'm going to talk about snakes Although I'm sure there's a That's lot of snakes what snake. I thought you were
0: doing You no. do that all the time
1: No, I know, I know there's probably snake people out there Who listen to this show And I'm proud to say I'm not afraid of snakes
0: Are you talking about the game snake I'm talking about the game snake phone?
1: that you play on your phone I'm not afraid of snakes But if I see somebody holding a snake like at a park or something Which just happens from time to time Or at the <laughs> farmer's market They're like, hey, what's up everybody? I am a snake haver And now you yeah, are going to experience yeah, me yeah. I don't want to touch that snake but I'm also not afraid of it. I just kind of walk by, continuing on my way to... Yeah, I see the... a lot of
0: people taking pictures of themselves with a snake. kind it doesn't do anything for me.
1: No, and the reason is because there's snakes everywhere. When you go outside, you are never more than like five feet away from a snake. It's just that they they, they hide their shit really well, uh-huh. so... Um, enjoy that, everybody. I'm talking about Snake. I was inspired to talk about Snake, the game, because uh, Google did an April Fool's Day thing where they did a oh. Google Maps version of Snake, where you could control trains in these different metropolitan areas, and you would, uh, you know, move around and pick up passengers and you know plow through uh major landmarks for different cities that you could choose from. Uh, and I was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll dip in and see what this is all about, and then I ended up having like a wild like seven minute long match where I was just like (laughs) crushing it. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. Snake is extremely good. Yeah, Um, I
0: remember when like I, so I was in college when everybody started getting cell phones. Right. And I remember that was like, that was the game. That was it. People would just lose themselves in it.
1: Yeah. I'm going to talk more about the Nokia 3310 here in just a (laughs) little bit. In case you don't know, in case you, you miss the Nokia 3310 era and are not familiar with what snake is. Um, you are basically on this kind of like grid-based arena where you control a line that kind of moves one spot at a time, and you're trying to collect stuff. In like base snake, we're talking about dots for the most part, but you could pretend it's an apple or whatever. Um, and every time you collect whatever you're trying to collect, your line gets longer, and you have to see how many of the things you can collect before you either run into yourself, your own big-ass snake body, or the the boundary of the playing field. Um, And really that kind of describes a whole genre of games that people have been playing in various forms for decades. For me, my first exposure was QBasic Nibbles was the name of the game that I cut my teeth on. Um, Rachel made a face when I said QBasic nibbles.
0: Those words together all make sense individually. I don't know what it is, though.
1: There was a programming language called Basic that you could goof around with in a piece of software called QBasic, which came with, I think, every Windows computer, like old, old Windows computer. Oh, okay. So it was like a free thing that we had on our computer and somebody told me like, hey, there's free games on your computer you don't know about and Snake was one of them. There was another one where you controlled, it was a two-player game and there were two gorillas on on a city skyline and you had to type in uh, angle and like velocity and then you'd throw a banana and you had to try and hit your opponent and so you had to like dial in the numbers until you could hit the other gorilla it was a fucking great game
0: sounds like battleship a little bit
1: kind of except you could like math it out because you can actually see where the banana like the follow the oh, arc of the banana so
0: you're you're like doing math
1: a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I actually started learning BASIC because of that, and I made my own uh, Final Fantasy Choose Your Own Adventure game uh, (laughs) that took me like a year to make, and I have sadly lost to the annals of time. But anyway, uh, that's where I kind of grew up playing it. It had sort of uh, levels with different obstacles that you had to kind of steer around. What was Um,
0: Nibbles like? Was it like Snake? It was
1: basically Snake, yeah. It was essentially Snake. There's very little variation. Um, The origins of Snake actually comes from an old arcade game. Uh, It was monochromatic, which tells you how old it was it was from 1976 it was called blockade and it was actually a competitive game where you just uh, you and an opponent controlled a line and you tried to box each other in to make them crash into you or themselves or the wall um, which is, of course, the inspiration for Light Cycles in Tron, uh, as well as like a bunch of other games that were essentially clones of, of that whole idea. Uh, the first single-player variant of that game where you collected dots and got longer, which is what Snake is, uh, was a, uh, an arcade game called Nibbler, um, and there were, uh, a bunch of different mazes that you could explore to collect these dots while still, you know, avoiding shit. Um, and Nibbler weirdly enough has a special place in history because it was the first arcade game to have a nine digit scoring system, which meant that you could get over a billion points, um, which you know back in the day like people going to arcades were just like on that score chase uh, the first uh, I learned this from Wikipedia the first uh, person to score a billion points on Nibbler the first was named ASS was named Ass <laughs> his name was Aaron Salvador Sterling um, no, his name is Tim McVeigh, and he did it at Twin Galaxies, which is actually like a huge like um, yeah, that's yeah. the
0: documentary, the y- King of Kong.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They like uh, track you know game high scores and, yeah. and uh, shit like that. It's in Iowa. Uh, Tim McVeigh scored one billion forty two thousand two hundred seventy points uh, playing Nibbler, and it just took him forty four hours of playing the game straight. And he said like I could have gone higher, but I, I was <laughs> I was so very very tired. Um, that's wild, but even like the version of snake that we can play at home you can technically win it by which i mean you can fill the whole screen with your snake with snake and it requires like so much coordination and precision uh, because you have to like plan out what your pattern is going to be exactly and if you mess it up even a little bit like once odds are you're gonna you're gonna lose like watch a youtube video of people playing a perfect snake game it is like really wild to see um i just find it a very meditative game to 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 play um until you become long enough and then it's a kind of a, a, a stressful nightmare um but I do hold it in a special place in my heart because in high school all my friends started getting 30 and by friends I mean people who were cooler than me that let me sit with them at lunch got started getting Nokia 3310s uh which did have snake on it and all of a sudden like I was never very athletic I didn't have very many sort of uh credits to my name but they were all like oh I got 17 on snake and I was like oh can I see it <laughs> and they would hand me their phone, and I would bust out that Q Basic Nibbles knowledge and yeah. just like become.
0: Uh, and that's and, how you got the nickname Nibbles.
1: That's how I got the name Nibbles. Nibbles and Shades. You know <laughs> me. You know this.
0: I would watch that show.
1: Nibbles and Shades. Two hard nosed, <laughs> not detectives. Well, one of them is hard nosed. Well, listen, if we're going to get this show on the air, it's got to be either cops, it's got to be firefighters, or it's got to be medical ones. So mm-hmm. take your pick. Maybe they are. Cop firefighters.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: You're under arrest, house fire. It's
0: kind of like a little Paw Patrol mashup.
1: Yeah. And then one of the other cop fighters, and that's not going to be the name of them, but they get caught in the house and they get burned and they come outside and they're like, don't worry, I'm also a doctor. And then they start kissing. (laughs) ABC just got so fucking horny for that idea. I like it. I didn't establish who was Nibbles and who was Shades, but, you know, we'll we'll punch it up later.
0: <laughs> hey, can I steal you away? Yes. Griffin? Yeah? You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true, because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor.
1: Got a message here for Iz, and it's from uh, uh, Anissa, or Anissa, perhaps. Uh, Iz, you are the light of my life. I love you to the moon and back, and not even your avion rambles can turn me away. Well, that's a series of uh, RPGs made with RPG Maker. Um, I'll tell y'all, I definitely didn't just Google it. I did. <laughs> Oops. Uh, I'm so glad that you're in my life, and thankful that we aren't. Oh, this is going to be fun. Te- te- Allahad I believe that's a ship name. If I'm reading it correctly, it seems like two names kind of smooshed together. Uh, I love you like Xander loves Galahad. You know, winky face. Ooh. All right, there's a lot of coded messagery, messagery in there, and then that might not even be a word.
0: These two people sound like they they've really they've really found each other mm-hmm. with their interests. Yeah, that we do not understand. Um, I got every second of that. Oh, yeah.
1: What's the other Jumbotron here, though?
0: The other Jumbotron is for Wyoma. It is from Bryn. Hey, Wyoma, it's me. I just wanted to say how much I appreciate you. I can't believe we've been friends for three years already. Time flies. Writing our stories and watching weekend TV on Rabbit has truly been wonderful. Thank you for getting me into Taz and for putting up with my weird questions about Homestuck. I love you.
1: And now as a special treat, Rachel's going to recap the entirety of Homestuck and everything that happened. And while she does that, I am going to also jump down the well.
0: Uh, so Homestuck is a program. Whoa, you got it wrong. Is a game, is a book, is a <laughs> movie, is a...
1: Oh, I'm so glad I'm in the well for this. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Jake Van Stratton, host of Go Fact Yourself, a live game show here in the Maximum Fun Network. Make sure to listen to our next episode of Go Fact Yourself with guest Kurt Brownowler. I did a show in Flagstaff, Arizona, where the venue just didn't list that the show existed.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Uh,
1: and I and it is the smallest crowd that I've ever done a full hour of stand-up for. It was three people. Oh wow. my god. And Sarah Schaefer.
0: Yes, I love crafting. It's my hobby. I have a craft nook in my home. You do? I do. It has all my supplies displayed in an adorable manner. Wow.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, applause. Applause for a nook. That's Go Fact Yourself here at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts.
0: My second thing is regional dialects.
1: This is going to be this one finer than frog's hair this one's gonna be (laughs) you um
0: listeners of our show will know that I appreciate a lot of griffin's colloquialisms um but it's not just griffin's there are others
1: there are more like me and I thought I was the only one
0: (laughs) um so I I found my way to a new york times article that they posted. Um, So there were two linguists, uh, Burt Fox and Scott Golder, who surveyed more than 30,000 people from all 50 states in the early 2000s to compile some of the regional divisions in American English. Uh, And so they turned that into a quiz available on the New York Times. Uh, It was published in 2014. Uh, And then a graphic artist illustrated Uh, a map of the United States and kind of colored it to match, you know, the different regional uh, expressions.
1: Soda versus pop and soda is blue and pop is red. And it shows you like Mm -hmm. where everybody lives.
0: So this was published. It's kind of like a heat map. Yeah. Uh, This was published in his 2016 book called speak American. So it breaks down some of the things like um, whether you say soda, pop or Coke, uh, whether you say crawfish or crayfish or crawdad, can
1: we check on both of those? Soda, right? You're not a yeah. Soda, okay, sodas. St.
0: Louis. Actually, if you look at the map, um, oh, St. Split? Louis is very distinctly soda. Wow. And then the rest of Missouri is pop. Oh
1: God, little bastions of of, of <laughs> no. sanity. And what do you call the little little tiny lobster guys?
0: Um, I think crawfish.
1: Yeah, I'm a crawdad boy. Really, crawdads. Huh. Always call them crawdads. So if you were up.
0: going to a boil of these, you would say?
1: I mean, I would say crawfish boiled to like fit in with oh, you okay. normies, you okay. sheeple. But I would call them crawdads if I was among my own folk.
0: This, this is a fun one. Can I, can I move on to yeah, the yeah, next yeah. one here? So what do you call the little gray insect that rolls up into a ball when you touch it? A roly-poly? Yes. But some people call it pill bug and some people call it potato bug. You know, I think...
1: I think I used to call it roly-polies, and I think since I put away my childish things, I think I, I think I go with pill bug more these days. But do you still call them roly-polies? Yeah. That's, I don't know which one I do. I, did, I, I got that See, one on the this, quiz, and I was like, oh, yeah, shit, like, I do a few of hard. these.
0: Um, anyway, I took this quiz, and it like matched me exactly to St. Louis, which was kind of incredible. It was like St. Louis, Overland Park, Kansas, or... Irving Texas I got
1: like, Irving Texas As well oh, And did? Uh, it did not get me It got Irving Texas you, Oklahoma yeah. City And I believe like Santa Clara California or something No but interesting Because my shit's weird Because I do have A lot of like Yeah Regional dialect I have a lot of Regional uh, colloquialisms Although that's That's its own thing Obviously yeah. Um, but like, uh, I think a lot of people, I think West Virginia says Coke more than the Abba Ridge bear. And also I I say that it asked how you say the word a U N T and I say aunt, which I do not believe is an Appalachian way of, so I have a weird. Do you know if
0: your brothers say aunt? I don't know. Huh.
1: I'm not sure. I saw Are, some shit on this quiz. that I was like, Oh, nobody says that, but I'm assuming <laughs> there is people who say
0: that. I was excited to see. So the part of the reason this came up is that when I recorded the my sister-in-law, my sister-in-law and me. Yeah. I talked about crayons and I say crayons. Crayons? Crayons, C-R-A-N. Is crayons.
1: It, you're kind of doing one syllable almost.
0: Uh-huh. That's a thing. That's like a thing on this quiz. They say like other people oh, do that's that too.
1: A, uh, okay. That was one that I just like.
0: And then there's there's people that say crayon and me. people that say crayon, like yawn.
1: Crayon. Crayon. Passing that crayon. Yeah. (laughs) I say crayon. Yeah, that's wild. Some people in
0: Texas say crown.
1: That's the worst one yet. (laughs) I saw one category that was like, what did the people of your uh, homeland uh, call the night before Halloween? And I was like, oh, do you mean nothing? And it was like, oh, here's 50 different things.
0: Some of them, it's like a very specific region of a very specific state says the one thing that nobody else in the country says.
1: And then it's just one town. We learned from the Groundhog's Day segment I did. There's some towns that are just like, hey, everybody, let's get tricksters midnight
0: cabaret
1: (laughs) a thing and we can be the home of it
0: so the one thing i found because i was trying to find stuff that was specific to your region and Mm. the only thing i found that was Appalachian was what you call what you put on a cake to decorate it
1: uh uh icing
0: Okay,
1: but you say frosting though. I say frosting. See, I, I that there was also an option in there that said, uh, "Do you say icing or frosting?" And it said, "I say both, but they're two different things." And I selected that one. So what are they?
0: What are the different things to you?
1: Icing is icing is for cakes. Icing on the cake, right? It's not the frosting on the cake, but like fr- what's frosting? Frosting goes on like a donut or like on a cookie has frosting on it, or like a okay. like a. Right?
0: I think that you, Have you... Wait, do
1: you not say the word frosting at all?
0: No, I say the word frosting. Okay. And I say the word icing, but I use them interchangeably. They don't mean different things. Oh,
1: they mean different things to me.
0: Uh, interesting.
1: Icing is like a glaze. It's more liquidy and frosting has like some substance to it. I
0: don't... Do you think that's real though? Or do you think you're making no, this up?
1: No, I think I'm making it up.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're so confident. Um, so here... Here's what I wanted to talk about specifically to St. Louis. So I have a regionalism that I don't think you'll be familiar with. So Ooh. I'm really turning the tables on you right now. All right. Um, so in St. Louis, the term "hoosier" is a bad thing.
1: Right. Well, is that a sports rivalry?
0: Uh, no. Oh. No. So what we would call so somebody that is like viewed as like country or backwards or like you know like low class is called hoosier. Oh, okay. I was reading this article. This linguistic anthropologist, Paula Kavanaugh Carter, says that the history seems to say that there was a manufacturing plant that moved to St. Louis from Indiana. The people who were native had some resentment to the people who had moved in and the differences in the culture they looked down on. So they began to say anyone that was not doing something proper was called a Hoosier. Wow. But I grew up thinking that was like a thing. And it wasn't until I left St. Louis that I realized this is not something that is used anywhere else. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. Yeah, so that that's the only thing I have to compare to your like just multitudes of uh Appalachian expressions let's be clear
1: a lot of my stuff also probably came from my dad who was just making stuff up as he went along
0: that's very possible but
1: some of them are like the very first question is like how do you refer to a collective group of of people informally and I clicked the y'all button so fucking fast (laughs) and hard that I punched a hole through my computer keyboard
0: they made the country look like it was totally divided between y'all and you guys
1: yeah, some of the options were like, use guys, and it's like, calm
0: <laughs> on,
1: I'm almost certain, right?
0: I also saw catty corner versus kitty corner, and then I couldn't think of what I said.
1: When you say both
0: back to know, back like that, know, I'm like, I'm wait, sorry. which one do I do? I think I do caddy corner, but I never say that. Isn't so. there
1: one for what you call the rotating uh, piece of furniture that you can put food on or uh, put oh. in a cupboard to spin it around and get the things? I mean,
0: Lazy Susan. Lazy.
1: Yeah, I've heard What's that. What's the so, other one? I thought there was another one that wasn't as so derogatory, but maybe not.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. We've talked about because I bought I think Lazy you did. Susan. did. Yeah,
1: man. We've been doing this show a while, huh? Yeah,
0: we have. Uh, the other one is how you say uh C A R A M E L. Caramel. Caramel. See, I say caramel. Carmel. Kind of like crayon.
1: How is it that I am the one who says it like more sort of extravagantly? More <laughs> you're
0: you're just very pompous, I guess.
1: <laughs> I guess, but I came I I shouldn't be. Where, where how did I get so above my frickin' raising?
0: I do say pen. You know how sometimes people say pin? Like that's one of that those pin?
1: that's one of those words I, have, I
0: very deliberately say pen
1: yeah the thing i get called out for more than anything is i have certain words that are homonyms that i just all say the same like pass yeah. me that pass me that pin or stick a pin in your jacket like i don't and there's there's i have a lot of those that i can't remember any one of, of the, the
0: questions did you see on the quiz was like how do you say m-e-r-r-y versus oh, yeah. m-a-r-y and <laughs> versus they just...
1: the name m-a-r yeah yeah m-a-r-r-y M-A-R-Y. Like, do you say them the same? M-E-R-R-Y. Yeah. Or, or different? Someone <laughs> was like, how? Who says and like, them different?
0: everybody said the same except like a very small region in the Northeast. Yeah. Mary. <laughs> Mari Mari also tennis shoes versus sneakers
1: yeah tennis shoes for for life
0: yeah I guess they this is actually makes sense to me so up in like the northeastern part of the United States people say sneakers and that reminded me, my grandma always said sneakers yeah, she's yeah. from the northeast what about
1: um the things you wear on your legs to when you're uh, when you're going swimming like uh the traditionally <laughs> sort of, like uh, p- short pants that for you, men short pants that you wear when you're about to go swimming are
0: oh, like trunks?
1: Yeah, trunks. That's got to be one, right? Why are they called trunks?
0: What's the d- deal? <laughs> we need your brother's soundboard, right? Yeah, now. no, no <laughs> we
1: freaking don't.
0: Um, what's your second thing?
1: My second thing is drifting, drifting, doing the cool car stunt drift. I
0: promise you, I did not know this was a thing until I met you.
1: Drifting? Yes. That makes me very excited, because if I can be an evangelist for this one thing... A
0: lot of times when we would play Mario Kart, you would mention it, and I didn't
1: know what it meant. So, the, uh, Mario Kart is my main sort of connection <laughs> to drifting, uh, because you drift in Mario Kart, you can get those blue sparks, those red sparks, and they give you a little boost of speed. And y'all, like your friend group in Austin that I kind of invaded when I moved here, was playing Mario Kart, and more specifically Mario Mart, on the reg, but none of y'all knew about that drift. None of y'all knew about those blue sparks. So I I showed up. I was like, "Uh oh, yeah, I'll try playing. It was your
0: digital snake. That
1: was my snake experience. And I (laughs) won my way into y'all's hearts. Um, I was driving over to a friend's house uh, on Saturday and uh, I was on Mopac, which is one of our beautiful highways. And I got off of that exit at 35th. It does like a whole full circle loop around to like get to the higher Uh road. And it just started raining. And I fully hydroplaned going like going like i was going like 25 miles an hour i was not very fast because i'm a good boy and i slow down on the off ramps but i fully like fully hydroplane but i know my shit i kept it on lock i didn't like lose control uh but i did end up doing like uh almost half of that loop just completely sideways and it was very scary
0: oh my god it was
1: very scary but it also is the coolest i've (laughs) ever felt while driving a car because I was just Tokyo drifting the shit out of what it. What were
0: you listening to when that happened? Do you remember?
1: Uh, I believe I was listening to uh, a gaming podcast, which probably okay, so reduces like... how cool it was. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was the longest drift I ever did. It made me think about how cool drifting is. I should say right now that like drifting as a filmed stunt or as like a drifting-based competition is very cool, but do not do this at home, obviously. I don't think I need to say that.
0: Yeah, no, it's super scary.
1: I have a friend who was a big like car guy growing up. Uh, and, and probably still is. And um, he... Jay
0: Leno? Was it Jay Leno? It
1: was Jay. And he would... Uh, Jay. And that's either Jay or Jerry. But anyway, uh, this, this friend of mine would drive me home from school uh, for like two years. And he liked cars very much. And once he did a cool drift to like show me how his new tires worked. And I was like, this is very cool. But also, I need to get out of the car right now. This is for professionals only. Drifting was tough for me to define in this segment other than, like, turning a car cool. So I got to Wikipedia (laughs) and, like, uh, found a a more sort of specific definition. It clarifies it as a, quote, driving technique where the driver intentionally oversteers with a loss of traction in the rear wheels of all all tires while maintaining control and driving the car through the entirety of a corner. And when I put it that clinically, you start to lose what makes drifting so neat. Yeah. Um, Basically, there's two ways you can do it. There's lots of ways you can do it. But the two most common ways are you're driving real fast and you're about to hit a turn. And right at the apex of your turn, you slam on the brakes and you sort of change the momentum of your car so that you're, you know, doing a brake slide, you're going sideways. The other way to do it is to, it's called clutch kicking, where you hit the clutch after entering a turn and you just send a ton of torque to the rear, rear wheels and they lose traction and causes them to, oh, to lose gosh, grip. Gosh,
0: this sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> Basically, car
1: goes sideways. Car goes sideways. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, I know about it from Mario Kart and any number of other racing games that I got into. I didn't play that much racing. It's not like my favorite genre. Genre, but the games that I did really attach to, like there's a series called Burnout that had the tightest drifting ever, and it felt so good. Like there are racing games that are like these realistic sort of like fine tune your car simulators, and then there's like wild arcade games where you just steer for you 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 drift for like uh, a half mile and it looks and feels super cool. That's like my main attachment to it. But obviously there's movies, there's, um, well, Fast and the Furious and more specifically Fast and the Furious 3, Tokyo Drift. Have you caught that one? I don't think you've caught that one.
0: If we haven't watched together, I haven't. You weren't watching these before us? I told you, drifting, just car stunts in general, not not in my uh, wheelhouse. Ha-ha, <laughs> wheelhouse.
1: <laughs> um, the plot of that movie, I'll break it down, is that Japan loves drifting. And- that's kind of true because it's where the technique was basically invented. Oh, okay, uh, there was this racer named Akunimitsu Takahashi who uh, was actually a motorcyclist who then became a, a automobile racer, uh, and he was part of this circuit called the All Japan Touring Car Championship Series. Uh, and he was just this super flashy driver, like all he, he got this huge following because he would start like using these drifting techniques uh, to get through corners, and he started winning like actually a bunch of races like that, and people would like see the smoke he was kicking up from his Takahashi. By by taking these drifts and uh, folks like went wild for it. And he was followed by a guy named uh, Keiichi Tsuchiya, um, who is also called the Drift King, uh, who basically like... Worked on and, and developed drifting techniques and then made them really, really popular. He would practice on like these winding, dangerous mountain roads in Japan. Uh, and, uh, and, and his like style, his, his drifting style earned him this huge following in 1987. Um, he got sponsored by a bunch of different car magazines and garages to make a short film about his techniques. Uh, and it's called Plus P, P L U S P Y. And you can watch all of it on YouTube. I watched all 21 minutes of it. It's just this guy drifting down like japan mountain roads and you see it in first person perspective and it was it's got like 1987 vibes all over it and it is so fucking good i can't recommend it enough um and that like started to spread and other racers started to like use these techniques uh this this uh guy tsuchiya he invented the d1 grand prix which is like the the first like big drifting competition um and uh, you know, since then, since the, the the sort of spread of it in 1987, it has become like a technique that is common in all kinds of racing uh, because it's, I guess, a fast way to turn cars. I don't think you get blue sparks in real life.
0: I think most importantly, people want to know how do you drift in Mario Kart.
1: Oh yeah, you uh, while you're driving and you uh, you move the stick in order to uh, take a turn, and then you do a jump, you do a bunny hop, and then obviously when you land, you've lost all traction, but you hopped mid turn, and then as soon as you land, you got to start turning those wheels in the other direction or else you're going to fully spin out you don't want to do that but that friction of driving into uh the 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 corner uh is actually what's going to get you those good sparks so you gotta you gotta sort of nurse that stick <laughs> you gotta nurse that analog stick um obviously that is that's a japanese game uh, a big thing that came out of japan that actually made it an international thing there was an anime series called initial d and I've actually I had actually seen a little bit of it before. I've never like watched the show, but uh, people reference it all the time. And it's just an anime about a high school student learning to drift uh, on the the mountain roads of Japan. And it uh, it became actually really popular amongst like car enthusiasts in the states who weren't necessarily anime enthusiasts uh, because it was basically like uh, it was super stylish and it had all of these like Japanese performance cars. It was just like car porn kind of like f- but for c- cartoons and.
0: Uh, oh,
1: oh, oh, oh. Now that was home improvement. <laughs> yeah, the show wasn't called car improvement.
0: But he liked c- cars. <laughs> did he like cars? I remember him liking cars.
1: I guess he did like cars, but yeah. he would do things to he would uh, He didn't like cars. He liked himself, and he liked his wild experimentations that got him so much attention. Uh-huh. Um, I. I've
0: <laughs> totally thrown you off, haven't I? you really,
1: really <laughs> taking my legs out from under me. Um, I'm not a big car guy. Rachel can attest to that. True. Um, I do enjoy driving and seeing cool, like, drifting videos or stunts or whatever. Like, mm. it really, it does it for me. I sent you a link to uh, Gymkhana, which is a series yeah. of, uh, like, just super hot, Stunt videos. I a couple minutes of that. Uh, it's very, it's quite a loud video, but it's basically just this very talented driver in a stock car doing the most buckwild drifting stunts, like drifting around a corner over a train track, like a foot away from an oncoming train, and. Uh, like driving full speed towards a person on a Segway and then like drifting donuts around them and drifting right up against like the banks of a river, like all of these wild, wild stunts. And they're very, very scary, but the person is so talented that you get over the fear of it very quickly and are just like, how is this person this good at driving cars? I
0: wonder how you legally get good at stuff like that.
1: I mean, it's it's gotta be like you have a lot, right? You have a lot that you can do all these these tricks on. yeah. I mean, I mean, that's how NASCAR does it, is that you drive on the NASCAR track. I don't think you're allowed to do it in the on just the street. And I think that's Unless the plot of cars. Unless there's like
0: a special driver's license you can get for stunts. Oh. Like a, like a class S for stunts.
1: Oh, no. I've got a, a Chase Sapphire driver's license, so I can actually go 150. <laughs> there was a book I read in <laughs> middle school. And it was, it was a, a book about how to remain sort of pure, um, sort of, uh, you, you know, biblically. And there's a okay. whole chapter about – I'm getting somewhere. There's a whole chapter <laughs> about your new body and your
0: <laughs> – <laughs> Wait, did you read this for fun or were you instructed?
1: Uh, it was just laying around. And so I kind of just dabbled in it. Maybe it was just like at church. And so I started to like flip through the pages. Do you think see. it
0: was intentionally laid around for yeah, wayward
1: yeah, youth? yeah, maybe. <laughs> But there was a, an analogy in there, and it was about um, your new body and your feelings and urges and what you can do with those urges. And it's like those urges can lead to beautiful things, but using them now is like driving a, a, a NASCAR stock car through the McDonald's drive through It's not an appropriate place to do it. I remember reading that thinking like, Did you just call my wiener?
0: (laughs) Wait, and is it the person you're driving it through a McDonald's?
1: But I think it's saying like, yeah, your wiener can do some cool stuff right now, but using it now. Don't
0: put it in a McDonald's. Don't
1: don't, don't fuck a McDonald's, I guess.
0: (laughs) I don't know that McDonald's would license that.
1: Yeah, I don't. Maybe it said a a, a, f- a popular fast food hamburger. Were you hamburger reading this at a
0: McDonald's?
1: <laughs> maybe that's what it was. I was reading Grimace's sort of abstinence uh, paraphernalia. Oh my gosh! Hey, uh, I got some submissions from our friends at home. Can I tell you? You
0: know, Grimace is nasty.
1: Grimace is probably the nast. Who's the nastiest one? And who's the like? I mean, brood. people
0: would think it's the hamburger, but I think it's Grimace.
1: I think the Grimace is down to well, down to clown. I don't want Ronald to be that. No, no me I think it's. Oh, Mayor McCheese probably has a scandal or two hiding behind those buns. <sighs> so anyway Kyle sent this and Kyle says something I find wonderful is going to bed without setting an alarm no, uh, knowing I don't have to do anything early and can sleep as long as I want is an amazing feeling mm.
0: Mm. remember those days is it Kyle
1: is it nice Kyle
0: <laughs> I will say on the weekend I like not setting an alarm even though we have
1: a uh, human a
0: human alarm
1: uh, We I went to Houston with some friends and uh, had a, a bit of a wild night and then went to bed at like one without setting an alarm and I was like let's just see what happens and i woke up at 9 30 or, or oh it was like 9 45 i mean i felt extremely bad if it makes you feel better uh, and, and also i was almost late because we were just like leave the hotel at 10 uh, and i didn't know my body was still capable of doing that but you um it's still in there do enough dumb stuff to it yeah. it'll it'll get you there uh, nia says cotton candy grapes grapes that taste like fairy floss and not like grapes because magic and farm science have both decided to bless us with these sweet and tasty bite-sized babies
0: I've had some of these and honestly, to me, they just taste like grapes. That
1: is absolutely, you did not have, you- that is absolutely
0: wrong. To be fair, I've only had cotton candy like once or twice in my entire life. What? That's true. It doesn't appeal to me. I don't like sugar that much. You know, like nerds and stuff. You know how you love nerds? I, I don't. And so the cotton candy, I just thought, I'm probably not going to like that. And so I've only had it like once or twice. So when I had the cotton candy grapes, I was like, these just taste like really sweet grapes
1: because mm, okay I'll give it to you I think they taste exactly like cotton candy I know I've heard that I think they taste completely about co- like cotton candy and you can't just say cotton candy is just sugar because they don't make a, like a jelly bean flavor called like you know sugar <laughs> it's got it's own thing going on it's got yeah, it's own stuff yeah. going on there um, so thank you so much to Bowen and Augustus for these use of our theme song Money Won't Pay you can find a link to that in the episode description Thanks to I mean y'all for yeah, helping. Us. Thank
0: you again to everybody who donated or um, encouraged others to donate during the Max Fun Drive. I have not forgotten my promise to do a live wonderful on our McElroy family YouTube channel. I will do that uh, before the month is out.
1: Yes. So stay Tuned and enjoy that. This one's going to go way smoother than the one that got goofed the up on Facebook. The Facebook one, yeah. Um, let's think. thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. You can go to MaximumFun.org, check out all the great stuff there. Uh, they got shows like Mission to Zix and
0: Friendly uh, Fire
1: and JV Club with Janet Varney and mm-hmm. a lot more, all at MaximumFun.org. And you can check out our stuff at macroy.family, including new April,
0: March, including. New- Oh, my gosh, you guys. This was such a treat because I did not know it was coming. But as of this month, you can buy a Rachel's Poetry Corner pin.
1: It is very cute. It's like a purple book and it looks real good. And it says Rachel's Poetry Corner. Oh,
0: my gosh, you guys. I'm on a pin.
1: Rachel's on a pin. And I think we both got the fire in our bellies now to get more get more yes. merch going. So, um, yeah, a shirt would be nice, I think. Yes. Maybe a baseball shirt. God, I love a baseball oh, shirt.
0: we do love baseball shirts. Yeah,
1: I'm wearing one right now. Yeah. So, and that's going to probably do with us, to, for us to be ending. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
0: Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. All right. This is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Hi,
1: everybody. My name is Justin McElroy.
0: And I'm Sydney McElroy.
1: And together we're the hosts of Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. What does that mean for you, the podcast consumer? Well, it means that you're going to get a lot of stories about how we used to do weird stuff to people in order to try to fix them.
0: Do you know that we used to think diseases were caused by bad smells and that we used to eat mummies for medicine? That's super funny. I kind of like it. Well, thanks. And we hope you'll
1: kind of like our show, Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. It's available every Friday wherever fine podcasts are sold or at its beautiful picturesque home at
0: MaximumFun.org.